The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The late-night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenci. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them. Rick Saratella and everybody else in between. AllAccessFootball.com. In the house. Countdown to kickoff is on. Let's do this thing. Rick, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Hey, Gabriel Morenzi. You know I love chopping it up. Fresh off the beach here. A little skinny dipping at the Jersey Shore. Anger management. Late night management. We got it all covered. Oh, that's some scary stuff. Saratella skinny dipping. Jersey Shore uh, style. I hope he's fully clothed uh, right now. So, uh, Rick Saratella kicking with us. And I tell you what, uh, Rick, we've been, you know, we got football fever. I was talking about uh, college football win totals. And I actually like the Syracuse Orange men to go under uh, six and a half wins because of all the talent that they lost and their tough schedule. But one player that they do have actually is Aronde Gadsden the second. Their tight end, he's actually a big time football player, isn't he? Looking at the tight end class um, and looking at the tight ends that are in college football this year, Brock Bowers not the only good tight end in college football. Yeah, and, you know, he could have, like, that Darren Waller comparison where he does line up outside. He lines up inside, H-back. They move him around. But you're right about the win total, too. You talk about Garrett Schrader, the quarterback. There's a lot of question marks surrounding his health entering the season. If you talk- Lost three starting offensive linemen, Rick, too. He's going to be running for his life, bro. Yeah, and if you talk to the coaching staff there, uh, they say all the right things. But if you read the tea leaves, I think they're a little bit worried about whether or not he'll be ready for the start of the season. And shout out to my guy, Roy Whitkey, who's the pro liaison there, because he used to be the offensive coordinator at Eastern Illinois back in the day with Tony Romo. So he shoots in the right direction. They love the quarterback. They don't know if he'll be ready. And that could impact Aronde Gratson's draft stock, because if they don't have a competent quarterback to get him the football, he thrives in deep ball situations. So now they got to find somebody to get him the ball on a consistent basis. But I think depending on what he weighs, depending on what he runs, uh, could have NFL teams viewing him differently. And, you know, just quickly, as far as Brock Bowers is concerned, I got to be honest and I'm sure, listen, no one, I don't think anyone does it anymore, but I'm sure the first time a lot of players saw him, they're thinking, really, this is, this is the dude. This, this, this is the guy that's going to burn me. No, he's not. And then he burns you. He he only weighs 230 pounds. That's not, is that a tight end weight? And he's not the tallest dude. So his body size is kind of weird, Rick, but he's just a flat out baller. Out of all the tight ends that you've seen coming into the National Football League and grading tight ends, where does this kid rank? Because when it comes to college football, you can argue that he's the best college football tight end in the history of the game. Well, I think his blocking has to 
step up a little bit before we anoint him that. I, I would, I mean, I would talk about a very similar player like Evan Ingram coming out of college, ran a 4-4-40 at tight end, had the similar kind of body frame. I think the one positive with Brock Bowers is that he has the frame to pack on another 10, 15 pounds. He could do that. And even if he le- loses some of that speed, that'll bode very well for him at the next level. But you're right. You talk about a dynamic playmaker in terms of a Kyle Pitts type of impact. Now, Kyle Pitts went number four overall. I think Brock Bowers has a chance to go even higher. That's how much I think of that young man. But, you know, in terms of like a um, overall polished tight end, I mean, I still like TJ Hawkinson coming out of college. He's finally now turning the corner at Minnesota. Like to me, he was a more overall polished product. But in terms of just a pass catching threat, yes, Brock Bowers is as good as it gets. And I, I like Hawkinson. I like Hawkinson, but Bowers is just special. And you know what's so super impressive about Bowers? Number one, the the level of competition and the DBs that he does it against, although we could argue about Georgia's schedule at times, he still does it in big moments and big games against the best DBs and best players in the country. What, what I really like is um, yards after contact. So we can talk about yards after the catch. I mean, he had 942 receiving yards. After the catch, 479 but after contact, 274, and you talked about his um, his run blocking. Okay, well, no one really runs anymore anyways, but he was graded seventh overall as far as tight ends are concerned as in run blocking, which I guess could be improved on a little bit. But as you stated, I mean, people are talking about, you know, Kyle Pitts was that big-time prospect, but Bauer's going to be a hard guy to leave on the board. He's just sort of a football player, Rick, that helps you win games. Well, he's just an athletic freak, too, when you talk about tight ends that can move that fast. I mean, he's running faster than 90% of the wide receivers at tight end. It's almost like a Christian McCaffrey at tight end. Isn't that like a, you know what I mean? Like, he's very deceptive when you look at him. You're like, this isn't a tight end. Yet, then he's out there. You're like, well, yeah, this guy's a football player, all right. And and if you listen to me talk, you're probably thinking, oh, well, Rick's not the biggest fan. No, I am. I'll say, I'll even say, like, that national championship, he was the best player on the field. And think about how many first-round picks were in that matchup. Rick Saratella uh, kicking it uh, with us. Uh, Rick, we were also talking about the quarterbacks uh, last night and how polarizing. You and I talked about the polarizing class last week, and it's already begun because I told people, as not just me, and I, we're, I don't know where you have them ranked right now, but Bo Nix, right? You've got, you know what I mean? You've got Caleb Williams, and we know that Caleb Williams is going to go uh, very high. I think Michael Penix has a chance to potentially be. You know, top seven, top eight uh, pick in the National Football League draft. And then Bo Nix, who a lot of people scoffed at. Basically, we had a guest last night that brought up Bo Nix. And I saw a lot of our people in our chat and listeners. Oh, Bo Nix sucks, Bo Nix that. Hey, Bo Nix had a great year last year. And if Bo Nix puts it together this year, I think he's this year's Will Levis in the sense that people are going to talk about him being this big-time first-round pick. Might go late in the first. Maybe he goes top 10, 15. What's your take on Bo Nix and and his draft potential here right now, coming into the year? Well, I know he's going to have a good year, bro. Yeah, no, Bo Nix is blocking out all that noise because he's, <laughs> he's blocking the sun out. Hey, say this. <laughs> he's, he's laughing so hard from his five million dollar NIL deal. I don't think he cares about the outside noise right now. But you're right. I mean, there's a lot of love for him. If you look around the the, the national and blessed those scouting services that the NFL values. Bo Nix has a high grade. He's a dual-threat quarterback. Remember, here's a young man who came in as a true freshman, upset Alabama. Career somewhat sidetracked, didn't go as panned, but such is life. 
And, you know, we talked about the same deal with Spencer Rattler. Like, those are two quarterbacks that are going to be looking to recapture some of that lore and luster. And it's all there for Bo Nix. You talk about an electrifying, captivating quarterback. I do think his showdown against Washington will uh, determine a lot about evaluators. You know, that Penix and Bo Nix matchup, that's going to be exhilarating. But I will say, Penix, I love him probably more than most. There, It will come down to, you know, here's a guy. He had three season-ending injuries at Indiana, so that medical is going to weigh heavily when he checks into the combine, Michael Penix, that is. And uh, we'll see. You know, Quinn Ewers is a guy from Texas. He's got Arch Manning looking over his shoulder, I think, is going to play very well. And uh, we talked about Jalen Daniels at length. One quick player I want to bring up, K.J. Jefferson, Arkansas. Mm, A lot of the similar tools, skill set, of what Anthony Richardson has. Right, not not quite as freakish, but at the same point in time, big dude, strong. I mean, obviously has to work on accuracy, but has a lot of the skill set that NFL teams are looking for. If you're talking about his body, and he is a modern dual threat quarterback, he is. And I think, like everything you just said, you hit the nail on the head, especially with the accuracy. It's just got to be more consistent, especially like the short to intermediate passes. You got to be able to hit the nail on the head. And that's the problem is like, that's a great call, Rick. Everybody thinks when they hear accuracy, people think it's no, no, it's not the deep ball. Every one of these kids could throw a deep ball. It's, can they throw it with a little soft touch into traffic? Little quick, little, it's amazing. Even my boy, Josh Allen misses screen passes sometimes yeah. right over the head of guys. Like, bro, he's, you know, like you said, it's not as easy to look, say eh? the short intermediate passing game, Rick, and the NFL is tough, bro. Oh, it's, it's harder than you think especially those out routes working the sidelines is very difficult. But to me, like when I watch KJ Jefferson, I cringe too much because he makes the easy pass look difficult until he eliminates that part of the game. Now, listen, here's a guy, he's a 240 plus pound dude threat quarterback. So he can move now. Right. But the, the, you're six foot three, 245. That's going to, people are going to pay attention to you when you show up at the combine. Yeah. And especially you talk about his, his running mate, uh, rocket Sanders, arguably the best running back in college football. So he doesn't have to like carry this team on his back, but he does have to make, I don't, he can make the big throws. You're right. I need him to make the move to chain throws. Rick Saratella kicking with us more on the other side. This is Sports Rage. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling, the collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The Monday Night Meltdown. This is Fortress. I am Gabriel Moran, C Series XM Channel 159 Sports Grid Radio Networks. Countdown to kickoff is on. We're literally, man, it's we're nine days away. Nine days away from the start of the National Football League preseason. We were going over win totals and we're starting to talk more football on the program uh, right now. We've got Rick Saratella from allaccessfootball.com uh, with us. And uh, check out the website. And we were talking about a very competitive AFC West. Uh, division and uh, Rick has highlighted some some players that he thinks are ready to break out uh, this year in the AFC West to keep her eye on and let's talk about the Denver Broncos so Sean Payton takes over this program uh, replaces Nate Hackett and no disrespect to Nate Hackett but he really was like one of the most incompetent and worst hires in the history of the National Football League I don't understand how Nate Hackett has gotten the ride that he has throughout his career uh, but it is it is what it is, and it goes from a completely different dynamic to a player in Russell Wilson that you need to respect the coach at least, right? And I don't think Russell Wilson had any respect at all for Nate Hackett, and I don't think that Sean Payton cares who Russell Wilson is now. So there's this completely different dynamic from, well, listen, Nate's just happy to have a job, to... Sean Payton will run Russ Wilson's ass out of town. <laughs> like if he doesn't, if he doesn't play up to expectations or fit into the plan, because Sean Payton's reputation is on the line, and he's he's not worried about hurting people's feelings. But listen, man, uh, Payton did a great job with Drew Brees later in his career, and I think Russell Wilson has a hell of a lot left than what Drew Brees had when Drew was successful with Sean Payton. So I think Sean Payton's a perfect coach for Russell Wilson to 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 dive into his strengths and also stay on his ass a bit. I think Russell Wilson with Sierra just thought, hey, I'm Russell Wilson. They're happy I'm here. Now there's a new, you know, last year Russ had his own office and all that. He had his guys in the building, Rick. He's not the boss anymore. Sean, this is Sean Payton's team now. It doesn't, it's Sean Payton's team now. I think this will help Russell Wilson. He's got the skill position players as well to work with, Rick. It has to work, Gabe, because they Cost them about $25 million per Yeah, there's, year. it better work. You're right. <laughs> Draft picks, $25 million per year. And even Sean Payton is a little bit hesitant because he went out and outbidded uh, Josh McDaniels for Jared Stidham, I believe, to come and be the backup as an insurance policy. But he laid down the lumber to me that first uh, public interview when he was like, oh, I don't know anything about the private office and this and that. It's like, okay, you were a Fox football analyst all season. Don't tell me you didn't hear about that. This is the first time hearing about it, but nobody will have a separate office. Okay, Sean, way to get the point across, though. Like, hey, we're not going to play any favoritism, right? He came in and let him know who's the boss. And, yeah, if anybody's going to get it out of Russell Wilson, it's going to be Sean Payne. I know, like, Richard Sherman and – Marshawn Lynch are reveling in the fact that they've always liked to point out Russell was just along for the ride type of deal, but I don't buy that. I think he's one of the smartest and accurate quarterbacks. You're right, Nathaniel Hackett, everybody inside that building knew he was just there because they thought they were going to get Aaron Rodgers the year before. So they figured that was going to give them the advantage 
in acquiring Aaron Rodgers. It didn't work out. He was the ultimate players coach. The players ran all over him. And, you know, there are some holdovers. Like I highlighted Kendall Hinton. I saw uh, come out the other day. But he's a guy that stepped up when K.J. Hamler went down. Greg Dulcich, the tight end out of UCLA. You know, he had over 400 receiving yards in just 10 games played. So I think he's going to have a pretty key role in that offense as a pass catcher. And then on defense, Baron Browning coming out of Ohio State. Really like what he's done. Now, injury uh, has, has bitten him over the last year or two. But when he's healthy, he's a problem in the backfield wreaking havoc. Rick, Rick Saratella kicking it uh, with us. So the Kansas City Chiefs, it's interesting how they've approached things right now, and they've done a masterful job. I guess it's, you know, does the wide receiver make the quarterback? Does the quarterback make the wide receiver? It's pretty clear that Mahomes is that good that he could work with anybody and make it work and have fun with it, right? We saw last year Aaron Rodgers act like a petulant child um, when having to deal with some rookies in camp. Remember, Mahomes' attitude was completely different. He said, no, these guys are a lot of fun. He goes, it's fun to work with young guys. And and he said, you know, he goes, when I drop back to pass, I don't even know who I'm going to throw it to. <laughs> and he goes, so I imagine it's tougher for, for other teams um, to know who where I'm going to go. because." And he even said, I used to get locked in on, on Ty a lot, Tyreek Hill. And he goes, now I'm going to mix it up a little bit more. But now Kadarius Tony. So this guy's been in the league for a little while. New York Giants, uh, former Florida Gator, obviously. Seems like this is just a perfect spot uh, for him. I mean, this this is where you're 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 a wide receiver that's been a not you've disappointed elsewhere. This is your second chance. It's almost like the Patriots used to be, I guess. I'm thinking, Rick. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's bring in Ocho Cinco now. Let's let's get Randy Moss now, and he's gonna kill it with us. And it didn't work there, but it will work with Tom. What about Kadarius Tony? Is he ready to have like a breakout monster scary season? Yes, if he stays healthy. But you're right. Like Andy Reid is going back to his days in Philadelphia, has always been a man of second chances. And personally speaking, I greatly appreciate what he's done for players in the past. I know his his family history, some of the things he's dealt with with his own sons. And whatnot, he's always had a soft heart, I think, for giving people second chances. So I like that uh, he's done that. Kadarius Tony's a guy that's misunderstood. And you've got to, like, you know, my uncle always says, you got to uh, evolve or you get lost in the dust. And Andy Reid has adapted and adjusted and evolved how many decades now? You go back to those Brett Favre teams when he was an assistant, right, uh, on, on the Mike Holmgren staffs. And so, like, you're right. Kadarius Tony has all the talent in the world, sub four three speed, gadget guy, end around, bubble screens, backfield, however you want to utilize him. But again, he's already on the PUP and we're we're in July. So like he's always got that hamstring. That was a problem in New York. But just echoing what you just said, like I'm already hearing that out of rookie camp, Justin Ross, remember him out of Clemson, national championship, big time plays, had the yep. neck injury. Right. So nobody wanted to touch him. Well, guess what? The Chiefs signed him as an undrafted rookie free agent. And he's like making more plays now than any wide receiver in camp. So look out for that young man. That's what's so great about Mahomes. Right. He's going to work and he's going to embrace. It. He's going to try to make you better. And 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 even if you're not there, make you better somewhere else uh, after the fact. Rick Saratella kicking it with us on the defensive side of the football. You've got to have you know, you've got to make plays on defense. We spoke a lot about him last year, and especially watching the Big Ten as much as I do. 
I knew that George Karlaftis was a badass. And everyone, you know, listen, you were getting Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson with the second pick of the draft, and you're able to get Karlaftis late in the first round. We knew that this guy was going to be good, but does he have a chance now to raise it to the next level and become like Pro Bowl good, right? There's different levels to this, but man, he played right away as a rookie and contributed right away, this guy. Yeah. What, so so where, where does he go from here? Like Pro Bowl status? Like, can he become one of the best defensive tackles in the league? I think George Karlaftis, the Greek god, is going to be an annual double-digit sack master in the NFL. You know, I laugh. People were telling, very competent people were telling me this guy can't play at the next level. He really doesn't have any. I heard he's too slow. They're like, well, he's not going to use slow. And you know, yeah, like, and then, I I go, then I go watch him against Penn State, and he's throwing and tossing the whole offensive Collapsing line. Collapsing pockets. Like, dude, I saw this guy play, too. I'm like, this is a scary dude. I, we, we and I talked before the draft. I kept saying to me, I said, I don't know. This guy seems like one of the best players in the draft to me. I thought he was one of the cleanest players. And now I love he's hooked up with Tom Bahali, former Kansas City Chiefs legend. And he's been working rigorously before work before Chiefs practices. He goes and does a whole jujitsu workout with Tom Bahali. That's how he starts his day every day. Like, here's a guy that's ready, coming for combat, like buckle up. That's some great stuff, some great insight as Rick writes. He's working with Tom Bahali uh, in the offseason, uh, early morning jujitsu uh, workouts, hand uh, hand techniques. And that's, you know, that's what you want. You want a player that's not just complacent, but wants to become one of the best players in the league. And I think he has that desire. He has that sort of dog uh, in him. All right, we've only got a couple of minutes left. The Raiders, ah, man, it's going to be a rough year for the Raiders. But you do like Zamir White. Yeah, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo passed his physical, so he got his little bonus there, alleviates some of the pressure. But what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs? We don't really know. Zamir White's the next guy in line, and he looked good in flashes and spurts. And and if Jacobs does sit out or uh, the, the, the Raiders season goes downhill and, and he's AWOL, then Zamir White's going to be the guy, I think, that really plays a key role, regardless if Josh Jacobs is playing or not. I think Zamir White's going to have something to say about that Raiders offense. All right, finally, in closing, Rick, we got about a minute here. The Chargers, it's the same old, you know, listen, it's deja vu all over again when we talk about this team. Everybody always gets excited coming into the season. I'm always concerned with their wide receivers. On paper, they're good. They're like paper. They they get torn in half. I mean, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they can't be trusted to show up on a weekly basis. They bring in Quinton Johnson, who you and I kind of agree with. I'm not really sure about him. We'll see. Um but they've got they've got a guy there that actually could make some noise, you think, and that's Josh Palmer. Yeah, very quietly, you know, 72 catches, 769 receiving yards, filling in for all, you know, another big six foot four wide receiver out of Tennessee. And we talked about Quentin Johnson, but Palmer has a year in the offense. I think he could take his game to the next level. And how about these Tennessee wideouts? Josh Palmer, uh, Brew McCoy in this year's draft yeah, class. Jalen Hyatt. Jalen uh, Hyatt, and then uh, the, the, Cedric Tillman was also 76 yeah. overall, I believe, to the Browns. So Tennessee has been churning out those wide receiver prospects. Are they becoming the new LSU? LSU's, LSU is wide R, uh, WRU. MB fighting words down south. I know, I know. <laughs> hey, they, they got to step it up this year. Uh, Rick Saratella, allaccessfootball.com. There's great stuff, great breakdowns that will help you. Um, in, in many different ways, including fantasy football and all kinds of great numbers in here. Always a pleasure, Rick. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Sports 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Sports Rage Late Night continues. I am Gabriel Morenci, Sirius XM Channel 159 of the Sports Grid Radio Networks. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates, including the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, San Diego, SoCal, LA, in the house. And so is the great Bob Ryan, Boston Globe, ESPN's Bob Ryan. Bob, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. No, it's always fun. Okay, Gabe, I'm ready to go. <laughs> so listen, uh, Bob. They always say the sign of a good umpire is you don't know their name, right? You know, who's that umpire? I don't know who that umpire is. And I'm going to be honest. You know, when I heard about, like, pitch clocks and some of these modern rule changes to Major League Baseball, I was thinking, oh, my God, you're modernizing the game in ways that doesn't need to be done. I'll be the first to admit when I was wrong, Bob. I'll put my hand up and I'll say, I don't even notice the pitch clock. The game flows along. I don't even notice the pitch clock is there, to be honest with you, which I guess is a good thing. Oh, I think it's a very good thing. I think it was long overdue. They baseball brought it on themselves. You, you look at this. Uh, we still have nine innings, right? We still have 27 outs. And if you go back into the 80s, you're finding that games weren't ordinarily three hours, let alone the 60s or 50s or anything else. And and it, it gradually evolved for several reasons. But one of them was just they just allowed it to, to have batters to have rituals and, and, and pitchers to, to, to pace around the mound, and, and, and it just got out of hand. And then, of course, pitching changes, uh, which, are, which are more frequent than they were years and years and years ago, all these reasons. And, but what they, they needed to address it, and they did, and I think the, the results are, are tremendous. Uh, the games have pace, uh, and, and it, it, it's really an improvement. You know, I think uh, you just said it better than I could have as well in simplifying it, in which they did it to themselves. I guess, Bob, it's almost like teenagers were the curfew or something, right? Listen, I said 10, <laughs> and I don't mind you keep coming back at 10.30. You know, at first it was 10.15, now it's 10.30. Now you're rolling in at midnight, and I guess they did push it a little bit too far. There's one thing, and I saw you, um, I, don't know, I don't know if we still say tweeting, Bob, Xing about it, <laughs> but I saw, oh. you on, <laughs> I saw you on social media talking about, listen, let's not pretend that combined no-hitters are a no-hitter. Isn't that one thing about the modern game that kind of sucks in the sense that 
everything's about all all his pitch count and everything everything is about the analytics of it instead of you know what this guy's a journeyman it's you know a couple outs away from you know a life changing experience and what about all the fans in our stadium like a team like Detroit and a pitcher like Manning why take him out at that point Bob but we saw with Kershaw last year even so we're gonna get mm. robbed from mm. these no hitters and perfect game attempts. Well, we have already been, no question, and uh, uh, it's just a different category. I, I, I got myself involved in a fun little debate on, on, on Twitter, as you pointed out, because I needed to state make a statement. Uh, do not confuse a, a, a one-pitcher, nine-inning, or even or more uh, game in which he lives up no hits with a combined no-hitter. It's not the same level of achievement. It's a different category. It's a, put it under team achievement, fine, but do not make a big deal out of it to the extent to the equivalent of a legitimate no-hitter. And I speak as someone, who, by the way, who has, uh, I've, I've been crying out loud in public for many years, has all the games I've seen, in, in going back to childhood, and, in, and, and most specifically talking about the last 45 or so years when I've scored just about every game I've been to, over 1,500 games, I have never been witness to a no-hit, no-run game. And, and every time one is done, I think somewhere in that ballpark, there's some guy or woman, no offense, some person who was attending his or her first game, and it might be from England. That's and, amazing. And, and, and I think about it. You know that's the case, and it's just the luck of the draw. Now, I did cover so you've never, no you've never been. you've never been in the stadium? No, and, and some people, some That's writers uh, have covered multiple. Bill Plasky, my friend at L.A. Times, he's covered four, he said. Uh, Rush Snyder in Cleveland back in the 60s, 70s, 80s was no, famous. I think he covered seven. And I have had zero. I did cover a no-hit one-run game by Joe Cowley in September of 1986 <laughs> in Anaheim Stadium. He walked seven men and wound up giving up a sacrifice fly in the sixth inning to allow the run to score. It was sloppy, it was ugly, and it was not a true no-hitter because it, it was a no-hit but one run. I have not seen a no-hit, no-run game. And, and uh, that frustrates and angers me, and so I am more adamant than ever again. <laughs> if I see one, it's going to be a real one and not some phony baloney combined no-hitter. You know, it's funny, Bob. I haven't been in as many games as you have over the years, but I did do the Expos uh, post-game show. Uh, for yourself, you know, I was in the stadium and I'm doing games. So I've been in a lot of games. Plus, out a fan as as a fan as well. It was always around. What inning is it for you? Is it around the sixth that you look up? And you're yeah. like, all right, is this the night? Am I going to be in a no hitter tonight? Is it the sixth inning? I'd say it, it, it is. And it used to be in the old days uh, that we'd, we'd be in the press box, and when you got to the, about the sixth, then that we would start doing a pool. And, and, and you put the, the bucks up, you know. Somebody's going to win a yeah, pool. Yeah, Who's going yeah, to get yeah. the hit? Who's going to get the hit, you know? And, 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 and you drew out of a hat, so it wasn't a choice, you know? And, and we used to do it in Fenway. That was what we did in the old days, old days being even 25 years ago. And, uh, or maybe less, maybe more recent than that. But you're absolutely right. Uh, sixth inning. Now, I have gotten to the two outs, two strikes in the ninth inning. And that was infamous Carl Everett breaking up David Cohn's wow. perfect game on Labor Day night in 2001. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure about the two strikes, but it was two outs in the ninth. And it was, it was Carl Everett who, by that point, had become a pariah, you know, uh, had, had worn himself as welcome out in Boston. And, and uh, I was uh, fervently rooting to see that perfect game, and, uh, and I didn't see it. Uh, I, I think I covered one other into the ninth over the years, and I several, two or three into the eighth. But uh, I'm still waiting for that first one. You know, Bob, Bobby Bonilla, of all people, I think, saved my life once. I, was, I, I interviewed the Mets earlier in the day at the ballpark, and I interviewed Bobby Bonilla, who actually was pretty gracious and funny and cool dude. <laughs> and so I see him in his pizza place in Montreal, Angeles Pizzeria, where a lot of players like to go to, you know, after a couple of drinks, three, four in the morning type of place after the bars. 
So mm -hmm. I see Bobby Bonilla, and, and he looks over, he sort of waves. He goes, hey, hey, how you doing, man? He goes, hey, hey, hey. I said, hey, you enjoying Montreal? Without missing a beat, Carl Everett looks up and goes, what the F are you looking at? All right? And basically no. gets up like he wants to kill me, Bob. And I, I swear to God, I didn't do anything, okay? Bobby Bonilla, big man, steps up and sort of in front of Carl Everett and says, yo, yo, bro, well, you're good. And sort of looks at me like, yo, you better go and stuff. We're going to lie, Bob. A couple of months later, Carl Everett gets traded to the Expos. My boss tells me, listen, uh, Everett just got traded to the Expos. We want you to go interview him first. So you go down there. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. Of course, Everett at the park was like all business. Hey, nice to meet you. Pleasure to be in Montreal. He had no, <laughs> mem no memory, Bob. But I'm sure you've got some stories uh, in late night hours of, of athletes. But let me ask you, Bob, about the, um, about the Boston Red Sox. Because this is a team that, you know, I think people don't want to like in Boston, right? It's like, come on, guys, we need to be better, but they have been scrapping and competing and battling for a playoff spot. They're teasing people and with regards to are they true? Are they, are they no really and we went through a tease with the Celtics. One tease is enough. And of yeah, course yeah. the Bruins were doing what they did, going you know, and and blowing the lead in the in the in the, in the cup. So um it's, So are um, people hesitant to want to buy in, it's like, Oh, I've been down, I've already had my heart broken enough already. Yeah, I mean, just so but they're teasing people because uh, just when every time you think they're they're really bad they run off two or three and they look good. Like last night they got fifteen hits last night. Or every time you think they're going well, they, they turn around they lose to you know they lose an awful game to somebody or other um they're, 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 they're i'm not usually a big believer in the famous bill parcells line you are what your record says you are because so much of that is circumstantial depending on schedule and who's hurt and who's not and blah, blah, blah. And, and and i believe that firmly it's a big crock of you know what except sometimes it is true the red sox absolutely are what they are that this they have earned this record a couple games over 500 um they're they're not horrible but we're out there where they are horrible and this is documented they're 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 a terrible defensive team and and they 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 have some defensive moments that are just embarrassing they've had two little league home runs surrendered this year you know what they are and and uh, they've said two, including one last week when the catcher threw the ball to the left field wall. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> and and um, so um, they 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 they're not a good defensive team, uh, and that's hurt them a lot, and it's hurt their pitchers. But uh, they're they're two games out of the third, the second wild card right now. And so are the Yankees, by the way. And 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 they're back, and they're jockeying with the Yankees for fourth and fifth in the in the, the uh, in the East of where where you know everybody's over five hundred. And uh, and they're teasing people. So now the big moment, of course, is are they buyers or are they sellers? Like so many other teams. And uh, we'll know at the end of the week. And uh, I think more people are saying sell. It's not real. Stop it. Yeah, you, 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 you might you should sell and 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 stock up the farm system and and you know trade Paxton and and certainly trade Duval and let. Uh, Duran, who's really exciting play every day, including against left-handers. So that's what we're talking about here, and we're you know we're going to have an answer, and you know obviously on by July one, I mean August one. Uh, Bob, we'll get you out of here in a couple of minutes. So let me ask you a perfect segue into uh, the trade deadline. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. As far as Shohei Otani is concerned. Uh. I mean, you, you, if you don't trade him, it's like, well, we didn't get anything back in return for him because I think it's pretty safe to assume he's not re-signing. Otherwise, behind the scenes, he would have told him, hey, listen, I don't know what everyone's talking about. I'm going to, you know, don't worry about it. And then conversely, how do you not let your fans watch this? And what do you do, Bob? Like, what, what, if, if you're the Angels, how do you handle this? Because, like I said, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think that's pretty appropriate, isn't it? 
Well, you know, I'm glad it's not my decision. You're right. It, it is as classic an example of that as we've ever seen. Because there's never been anything like this, obviously. You know, talk, you, you, we've never been confronted. And now it. gunning for a potential home run record, Bob. That's another thing. Yes, he could hit, easily hit 62. Uh, I, I say they hold on to him and, and take their chances. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing. Uh, first of all, what... I, I, the thing is this, there's limited suitors, not just in terms of the money, but what they would want back, and the, the teams that would have the, pro, that have the money don't have the prospects, and the teams that have the prospects, uh, you know, uh, are not very enticing, uh, you know, to, um, to, to them. So, um, I mean, uh, and, uh, so I don't know. It's, it's very difficult, but I'm going to guess, it, it, I, 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 I'm going to guess he's going to, somehow they're going to stay and hope that, that uh, some miracle will happen and they'll find a way to placate him and the time comes and, and keep him. Uh, another thing is that it's, he's, he's, he's worth money to them every day of his life and merchandise, and, as we know, and, 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 and advertising, the uh, Japanese advertising, uh, etc. Uh, he's a gold mine he's a, right now. And uh, so they may just decide that it better. But, but it, it will be an extraordinarily difficult decision. That was what I said, Bob. And, you know, not to be cold and callous about it, but I basically said, listen, he's an angel until he isn't. I would sell as many jerseys as I could, sell as many tickets as I could for the rest of the year, and then would actually have money, actually, if we wanted to sign players. We could uh, after the fact, but I think they should just blow things up. I think they should trade Mike Trout, too. But, okay, finally on the way out, I hear. Yep. I, I, I'm going to look in. I mean, it's been a busy week here, and I saw you talking about uh, about Bill Reynolds on Around the Horn. So I really, I really, I want to read this book and dig into uh, to, to his career because I know yes. you didn't have enough time to talk about that. And I also know, man, you were a big Tony Bennett fan. May he rest in peace. Right up there with Frank, I saw you talking about. Yes. Sucks as we get older, right? More funerals, friends, people mm. that we're fans yeah. of. It's well, just, that's makes us feel more sure, and thank God Tony was around for until 96. Sinatra was 83. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, uh, these icons, uh, uh, we're lucky to have them as long as we can have them. Nobody lasted longer and was more viable. His last concert was in August of 2021 with Lady Gaga. Gaga. He could still carry a <laughs> tune awesome. uh, at that point. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a major Bennett fan. I, I, I've got, uh, I think that his Hits Volume 2 is one of the greatest albums ever recorded. Uh, I, I think his album with Basie is phenomenal. I know the Bill Evans albums are, are sacred in the jazz world. Um, uh, he's a remarkable career. What I'm thinking about more and more in the last couple of days, I just got through listening to Sirius uh, uh, 71. I listened to the lots of the weekend. They devoted the entire weekend on the 40s Junction channel to Bennett, and I listened to a great deal of it. And uh, I was hoping to myself, he made a great medley of Porter songs, uh, which I used to hear, uh, and, and I was wondering if I was ever going to get to hear it. And I'm walking the dog yesterday, and damn it, if I don't get the whole Porter medley. And uh, I was like, I almost like he did it just for me. Uh, I was so happy There's to hear no it. It's phenomenal, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, he never compromised. You know, some people gave in. Sinatra was forced to sing some stupid songs with Mitch Miller uh, back in the early 50s with Columbia. Tony never gave it. Perry Como sang some ridiculous songs, but he wouldn't give in. Didn't sing any dumb, stupid novelty songs ever that I know of. And, and uh, he, he would not compromise, and, and, and he won out in the end, and God love him for that. Hey, you're the best, Bob. I always appreciate your time, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Okay, Gabe, take care now. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, 
and Judy Woodruff come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, it's getting real in New Zealand right now. New Zealand just caught the Philippines on a fast break, and they did a really good job of staying on side. It was a beautiful pass into the box. The girl on New Zealand got a clean connection, drilled it, and it literally rolled right into the goalpost, like one in a million, you know, just like... Wow. And it rolled right back to the goalie on the Philippines after. Like, Philippines have been blessed here. New Zealand is starting to raise it up a notch. It's still 1-0 right now in the 66th minute. We're on the under 2.5. It's been a sweat job all game long. I said before, I think this game's probably going to end up 1-1. Maybe it ends up 1-0 here the way it is. Hopefully it stays under the 2.5, but I think it will. Um, quickly on the way out here, we've got Switzerland and Norway coming up. Tomorrow night we'll hit Canada and Ireland. Uh, we've got Switzerland and Norway coming up here. Um, Switzerland beat the Philippines 2-0 when they played. And remember, Norway played this New Zealand team and actually lost 1-0. The total is 2.5 in this match. And um, I think that it's going to go under. I've already put like a nice chunk of, uh, I put a nice couple of units on this play to go under 2.5. And quite frankly, I think the Swiss can play with Norway. I think Norway are overrated. Norway are being overpriced, and I don't see any reason why Switzerland can't hang around in this game. And I gotta tell you what, they're very big underdogs. Like Switzerland is plus two seventy-five, Norway are plus two uh, plus one fifteen. Man, the draw plus two twenty-five, very enticing. But I tell you what, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna get a piece of, um, and we're getting this at plus one twenty-five. Switzerland, um, the, the Asian handicap plus zero slash plus zero point five zero. Right, so the old Asian handicap, and uh, oh, I just told you they were pressing, and there it is. New Zealand just scores. Listen, tomorrow night, Messi's playing again. Everybody, yeah, yeah, he's playing more than one game. I'll tell you what, though, this time they're playing against an MLS team. It's not an MLS game, it's the League's Cup game, but... Messi is minus 150 to score a goal. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.